Hello, and welcome to Spouses of Light. I'm David. And I'm Lisa. And this is a podcast where we play every Final Fantasy game starting with one and talk about them. Together. This is our first episode of Final Fantasy V, but before we do that, we need to talk about Final Fantasy XVI. Have you been playing it? Oh, I've been playing it. Have you been playing it? Not nearly as much as you've been playing it. Yeah, I think I've got about 32 hours in. I think I might have like three. Ah, well... You were the one with the big hype for it, so why don't you start by telling us about it? Well, it starts off with a lot of murder and betrayal, and I 1000% see the Game of Thrones influence, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you guys, but that finale left a real bad taste in my mouth for anything Game of Thrones related, and I think that's why it's not clicking with me. There you go. What do you think, though? You've played a lot more of it. I have played a lot more of it. I think overall, I would say it's a good game, but I wouldn't say it's a great game. Clive is very stilted and very bleh as a character, for lack of a better phrase. Well, then it's fitting that he's got Ifrit, your favorite. Mm-hmm. So, and by favorite, I mean he thinks that Ifrit is also meh. <laughs> Ifrit's fine. Just like, all yeah. the other summons are better. Yeah, he's meh. <laughs> uh huh. And Clive is fine. Yeah. So. They go together. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to try very hard not to spoil anything, but... I'll cut out any spoilers, listener. Don't worry. The story is interesting overall, but so far pretty predictable. I'm hoping there'll be some twists and turns because, yes, I can see the Game of Thrones influences, but there's no, like, real surprises like there are in Game of Thrones sometimes. Yeah. There hasn't been a red wedding yet? Not a red wedding, no. Oh. (laughs) That's ominous. Yeah, I mean, it's very violent. It's a big departure. There's a lot of Final Fantasy pieces, but there's also, it's it's a big departure from the rest of the series. At least that's what I feel. Yes. I will say the other thing I think that throws me off is the abundant use of the F word. Mm-hmm. I don't curse myself most of the time, <laughs> but I also don't mind the cursing in things. One of my favorite movies is like a hundred some F-bombs in it. So it's not it's not the F-bomb in itself. It just feels out of place in a Final Fantasy game. And there's, there's swearing in Final Fantasy. Lisa's already like called me out a couple times with characters that have ha- yeah. said damn and stuff. I was going to say, but that's like very PG. Yeah. This isn't even like the PG-13, you get one F-word. I mean, this is everywhere, all the time. And every time I'm like, really? All right. It definitely feels like a teenager who's learning to swear. Yes, and who just uses it way too much. It doesn't actually use it for good emphasis, but instead it's like, I'm cool, I'm adult, F you. <laughs> yes, it very much feels that way. Also a little bit with the violence. Um, yeah, it's a little over the top. Again, I'll just say my favorite, one of my favorite movies ever is Hot Fuzz, a movie that is incredibly violent and mm-hmm. very gory and a lot of F-bombs. But it fits in that movie in a way that it feels like it doesn't in this game. Like, I think you nailed it. It's like a teenager who's trying too hard to prove that they're adults. And so, yeah, it's a good departure overall. I think the biggest critique I have of the game is that action games like this live and die to me in two places. One is the gameplay and the second is the characterization. You can have a pretty bland story because you're just running around murdering everybody. Murder hobos. Mm -hmm. If the characters are deep, think like God of War. The overall story is all right, but the characters and the characterization, the character relationships are incredibly good in God of War and God of War Ragnarok, the modern ones. But Clive is just so bleh. Jill is just so bleh. 
They're very, they're just so tortured. (laughs) (laughs) And that's their one note feeling is that they're tortured and they want redemption. And by all means, tortured characters who want redemption should be interesting. I feel like we just played a game that was about tortured characters who wanted redemption. That was actually interesting. (laughs) IMO. But the supporting cast is pretty good in that there's like two really fun supporting cast members. Again, I'm not going to spoil things, so I can't get deep What was I say? Is one of them Torgal? <laughs> Torgal is the good boy, and he's the best boy, and Torgal, I was going to save, was Torgal and Ambrosia are the best parts of this game. I don't even know what Ambrosia is, or who Ambrosia is. You do, because you got to the castle. It's uh, um, Clive's Chocobo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ambrosia's a good girl. Yes. So, Torgal and Ambrosia are the best parts of this game by far. The Sid in this game is insanely good. I was going to say, Sid, Sid Sid so far is a highlight in the bits that I've played. Sid is the best character in the game. Benedicta is actually a pretty good character, I think, overall. I think she at least gets characterization. Mm. There's a couple good characters, but for the most part, it's very homogenous. It's a very bleh story and very bleh characters except for a handful. The gameplay feels good. Hmm. Which was one of your biggest concerns. Mm-hmm. It does feel good. It gets super repetitive anytime there's a boss fight, which is what happens in a lot of these games for me. It's what happens with God of War. It's what happens with Assassin's Creed. It happens with this, which is if the health bar doesn't tick down very quickly, it's all just about your reflexes and your dodging and just keep doing the cycle. Watch their for their weakness, parry it, dodge it. Keep up your attack loop, stagger them, which I know for a lot of people is fun. And that's what they want to do is like test those reflexes, those skills. That's not what I'm here for, but. Which to be fair, they made a mode for people like you, which is the one I'm playing, which is story focused. Mm -hmm. But I think you also said that you wouldn't want to play that either because literally all I do is hit square and whatever dodges is it. Forever, yes. Like smashing square and it does the combos for me or it slows down when there's a chance for me to dodge and then I can dodge which sometimes I still miss the dodge which makes me really laugh at myself because I'm like yeah I have zero defense (laughs) but I don't know what the solution is maybe it's it's the combat should be slightly complicated where you need to do the combos and the patterns but shorter of a fight like like a half of the health bar that they currently have or what what do you think I don't know, because I think for a lot of people, the fights, at least from what I've heard about people playing 16, like the fights is what everybody wants, and they enjoy the combat. I mean, you can definitely see the Platinum Games influence for people who like Nier and who really like Bayonetta. Like, that gameplay, that flow is big. I mean, if you like Dark Souls games, the boss fights taking forever and you just doing those reflexes is big. That's what a lot of people want out of their action games, and these are the action game world. This is where they're trying to go, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just, like I said, for me to get really invested in an action game, it's not the gameplay, really, that invests me in it, whereas for other people it is. For me, it's the story and the characters, and there's a couple characters that have been so bright that I want to keep going. The story is good enough that I want to see where it's going, even though I'm pretty sure I know exactly where it's going, (laughs) but I want to finish it. It'll be very interesting to see how I feel about it 
after we play through all the others and get to it. As I say, 11 games from now. If we actually do that and I give it another playthrough. But for now, it doesn't feel... It feels like somebody who's doing an homage to Final Fantasy. It doesn't feel Final Fantasy. Yeah, I was going to say, it's so it's been a minute since I played 15. Mm -hmm. So I could be wrong. But I feel like even in the darkness of 15, there was still hope. And there was still, you know... This, one of the main themes of the Final Fantasy franchise is light in the darkness. I don't see a lot of light in this darkness. Mm. I see a lot of, again, it's it's very Game of Thrones-ish, where it's just everything's brutal and everything sucks. And, you know, if, if we're comparing it to Game of Thrones, Sid's our only good guy, therefore he's going to die at some point. It's not a spoiler. I don't know. I have, I've only played for three hours. He's still alive where I'm at. <laughs> but... You know, that's just, that's where I could see this going is because it seems like everything good dies and life sucks. And that's the theme of the game, which, yeah, does not feel very Final Fantasy. There. Final Fantasy seems to have heaviness to it. We have plenty of characters who die. We have plenty of characters who die and come back to life, but it still all leads to light overpowering the darkness in the end, which I have a feeling they'll get to that eventually. But I don't think it's going to feel the same. It's not going to feel as triumphant as when, spoilers for 15, as when Noctis's death, like, brings the crystal back to life and every, like and saves the whole world. It's not going to feel like that. Or I'm worried that that's where we're going. There's definitely light in the darkness as a motif here. But it's definitely playing with it. And it's... De I would say it's taking Final Fantasy as a whole and it's playing with it. It's manipulating it. It's trying it's trying to do a new thing and that's fine that's mm -hmm. good it just feels it it's a huge departure good for them good for them taking risks good for them trying something new overall so far i i want to keep playing the game it's it's a very good loop it's the same type of gameplay loop that would happen with god of war where you are it, it's very episodic but very driven and very flowy mm -hmm. where you just want to do the next thing and just well let's just keep the story going be really careful if you're starting the game the start of the game is a lot of cutscene yeah a lot and even when you are playing it's basically walk three steps more cutscene walk three steps more cutscene it sets up a lot of narrative in the first three hours and then after that, it gets a little better, but it's still very, a very cutscene-heavy game. You very much are play a little bit, have a cutscene. Play a little bit, have a cutscene. And it's beautiful for the most part. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of characters that aren't rendered very well, <laughs> like I was afraid of off of some of the screenshots. But the ones that are rendered well are beautiful. And it's a very pretty game. It's a very flowy game. It's very on rails, and it very much is taking you in direction. Uh, and the side quests, for the most part, are just fetch quests. Mm. Or, sorry, are either fetch quests or go beat up that thing. There's not a lot of depth in your side quests, which is sad. There's a couple that are interesting. Which, to be I don't think 15 had very interesting side quests either. There was, you're either giving bounties to go hunt, or it was, take this item over to that guy in that town kind of thing. Yeah. I think the best side quest in Final Fantasy 15 was feeding the cat <laughs> down at is it Golden Key? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things being pretty, something that's very not pretty, and I want to mention it because I'm going to bring it up later for five, is the monsters have definitely taken a turn. 
that I think I might not have noticed so much playing 16 after 15, maybe. I don't remember 15. I don't remember all the monsters in 15, to be fair. But, you know, going from 1 through 4 to 16 is a huge jump in monsters being... Like, some of them are nightmare fuel, to be sure, but, like, pixelated versus realistic-ish nightmare creatures is a whole other ballgame. Like, the goblins are disgusting. <laughs> They're very much like the pale face man. From, this is going to mean nothing to David, so I don't know who's, who this is for other than me. But they remind me of the pale face man from Pan's Labyrinth with just, like, hanging skin and, like, they were just, they were disgusting and I hated them and I'm worried for when we get other gross monsters. That's completely fair. <laughs> I think that it, they are impressive i think the graphics for yeah. the most part are impressive definitely imp- definitely imp- like i said very well done mm-hmm. just gross not like I, goblins don't have cute hats anymore like go- goblins are wearing loincloths and i'm like please don't let me see what's under that loincloth <laughs> some of them are just really cool looking monsters some are gross some are s- scary you fight well i don't is this a spoiler if it's in the demo no okay you fight a mall mall yeah, they get almost rid of the, almost oh, immediately. They get rid of the last O. It's just a marble for them. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but it's it's the monster. Yep. Like which? Oh yeah. By the way, we, they are eyes on the end. David was right. So just throwing that out there. Point me. <laughs> all right. So all in all, Final Fantasy sixteen, good game. It'll be interesting to see where it lands in our ranking, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how we feel about it. When I'm done with it, and if Lisa ever finishes it, so. We'll see. We'll see. Tears of the Kingdom is all that matters in life. So good. (laughs) Tears of the Kingdom is so good. If this was December 31st, 2023, I would have to say that Theater Rhythm is by far the better Final Fantasy release of this year. (laughs) So, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so Final Fantasy V, let's go Way back in time. To December 6th, 1992. Nice. Before we start going into it, we're going to do a few different changes in how we address games this season. We said at the end of last season we were taking a couple weeks off and that we wanted to reassess how we are going to do this thing. So, Lisa, what are some changes that we're going to make to our format? We're no longer going to be reading the dialogue word for word. Tear. (laughs) I know... There's definitely parts where I also enjoyed the dialogue, but I know David enjoyed the dialogue a lot. And sometimes it's fantastic, but a lot of the times it's just, I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm reading a screenplay when you could probably find the dialogue online somewhere and not have to listen to our terrible voices. So, <laughs> although one listener did point out that my evil voice is getting better. So mm-hmm. thanks, Janae A. <laughs> <laughs> Janae A. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so we'll be we'll be more describing in general what's going on and then talking about the gameplay a lot more and talking about how we, how we feel about the story and such instead of being a radio melodrama. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still going to get your awesome descriptions of the monsters, right? Yes. We did get listener feedback that they enjoyed my monster descriptions. So those are here to stay. For now. And you're still going to describe the, like, areas we go to. If I remember to write notes about how they looked, yes, I will describe the areas (laughs) we went to. (laughs) So I'm predicting 
that after this episode, because we've got a lot of intro for this episode that we've got to talk about, and we just did a, you know, a good discussion on 16. So after this episode, I imagine they'll be back to the shorter format that we had been getting longer. And I was just worried about us, like the episodes getting to be like two, three, three hours long. And I didn't want that. So not that I couldn't talk about them for that long. I didn't want to edit that much stuff. So yeah. And I was going with, well, we just do smaller segments of each game. And I think you didn't want to do 50 episodes on Final Fantasy VII type thing. Yeah. And I, I go, why not? Final Fantasy VII is so good. I don't want to spend 50 episodes on Final Fantasy VII or any of them, to be fair. Because if we spend an entire year on a game, I will not remember how the game started by the time we get 50 weeks later. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. So with all that set up, all that preamble... Any other Final Fantasy news or Spouses of Light updates or anything else that we need to talk about before we begin Final Fantasy V? Well, it, it is July now, and there is a Distant Worlds concert next month. Are we going? I didn't think so, because we have a cruise that we are saving up for. Maybe if we get some Patreon money that says, hey, we want you to go do that and do an episode all about it, then we can. Or if we have patreon.com slash we don't have one <laughs> or any of our listeners want to somehow like sponsor us going, then sure. Send us an email spouses of light at gmail.com. Maybe it's time to start a Patreon so you can go to distant worlds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So no other news other than that. Well, if that's the case, then let's dive back in. December 6th, 1992. Final Fantasy V was released in Japan. Ooh. When did it come to the U.S.? It did not come to the U.S. What? For almost two decades. Dang. Yeah. I'll get to that. Cool. So, Final Fantasy V was directed by Hironobu Sakaguchi, who directed the, the first many Final Fantasies, up through the teens at least. So, he did call this this his favorite Final Fantasy until Final Fantasy X came out. So... Of the first nine, this was his favorite. Nice. Yeah. The music is by Nobuo Uematsu, who who has been our composer so far for the other games. Mm -hmm. So Final Fantasy fans will recognize that name for sure. Another name that Final Fantasy names will recognize, something I probably wouldn't normally point out except for the historical fact of it, is that Final Fantasy V was the debut of the work of Tetsuya Nomura. Nomura! I love Nomura! (laughs) He... Uh, at like early 20s was the monster designer in this game. Nice. And for those of you who are not familiar with Tetsuya Nomura, he later became the character designer for Final Fantasy VII. That Mm -hmm. That was his big break. You know, pretty memorable characters in that one. But most importantly... He was one of the creative forces behind Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, he is. So... Uh, and I think that's probably what he's most well known for these days. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a big deal. After our last game, where in my research, I, I found out that there was a sequel to Final Fantasy IV that you didn't know about. <laughs> I wanted to mention that there was a sequel to Final Fantasy V, but it wasn't a game. It was an OVA. What's an OVA? An OVA is an original video animation. So it's a like animated movie? So this one... OVAs are usually TV episode length, and a lot of shows do them, a lot of like anime do them, and 
they are basically like bonus episodes that have nothing to do with anything. Mm. So one of my favorite things in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is actually from the OVA. <laughs> what OVA? I don't remember what it's called, but there's an OVA where you see a teacher, you see her time on the island. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that. I saw it at Anime Expo many years ago. That was the first and only time I think I've seen it. They played, there's like three or four of the of the OVA episodes and they played them all at Anime Expo. And yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's basically a bonus episode, right? Where it doesn't have impact on the story other than here's some fun stuff. And like, if you know Brotherhood, you know that the time on the island is very important. If you haven't seen it, I haven't spoiled anything for you. So all um, is one. One is all. You should go watch Brotherhood. But anyway, so yeah, so this, so it's kind of like they released a sequel to this. It takes place a couple hundred years after the events of the game. Dang. And it was released in four, like 30 minute episodes, basically. At the time, people liked it. But watching it now, apparently it's a real hot mess. So I guess our standards are different now than they were. You know, time goes on. So <laughs> there's that. And then super impressive about the game is that on launch day, they sold 900,000 cartridges. Wow. In Japan alone. Like that's not worldwide. That's in one country. They sold 900,000 cartridges, which is 4.5 times as many copies as four sold on its opening day. Whoa. Not opening, on its launch day. It was the second best selling game of 1992 behind Dragon Quest V. And that's just in one month because it comes it, on December 6th. Exactly. That's in wow. less than one month. It was the second best selling game of the year dang so you know i'm sure if you looked at the numbers back to back to back this feels like this is definitely a big spike in the ramp up of final fantasy's popularity as a whole when the game came out the reviews were solid for it they were solid to like good really good a lot of reviewers would say the story was lacking but the gameplay was amazing Mm -hmm. which is worrisome for me because with this stupid active time <laughs> battle system, I rely on the story to keep me going through the terrible gameplay. But we'll see how it goes. There you go. Oh, yes. So back to when did it come out in America? The localization, which is the translation both of the literal dialogue and of some of the like concepts, right? They get changed localization. Final Fantasy had had a few successes in North America, right? We didn't have all four of the previous games, but the ones that we did have were doing well. So when this one came out and it was doing so well in Japan, they're like, let's get that over to North America. So they started on the localization immediately, but the plans kind of fell through. And then they were go- they were working on it as Final Fantasy 3. So it was going to be the third one that came out in North America. But then the plans fell through and they're like, well, you know, actually... This game is a lot more difficult than the last one that was released in North America. So let's release it as under a different title. So we're not going to call it Final Fantasy 3. We'll call it something else so that people don't think it's a sequel kind of thing. And therefore, the ramp up in difficulty is fine. But then that fell through also. And then later, someone who was on the localization team was interviewed a couple years later. He's like, yeah, it just it was not approachable for the average gamer at the time which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, should I be worried? Because (laughs) I consider myself an average player as far as far, as far as difficulty of play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I am above average in the like amount of hours I spend, but you know, it's not that I'm like fantastic. It's that I consume a lot of games. So I don't know if that means it is really difficult and I should be worried or it's just, you know, at the time it was very difficult and, you know, we've figured out how to play games differently. So it's not as hard. Maybe. And maybe the pixel remasters have dumbed it down. So we'll see how it goes. That's true. 
Well, thanks for all that history. Yeah. Fascinating to me, at least. Yeah. That's cool, no? Oh, yeah. So the end of that story is it was the first game that got an unofficial fan translation Mm. because people were so desperate for it because they heard how well it was doing in Japan. Oh, it also did really well in South Korea. I didn't write the numbers down, but it was also the second best-selling game in Korea of 1992 under... Of South Korea, sorry. South Korea 1992 under Street Fighter 2. So, sorry, it's a big year for games that year. And yeah, so it got a fan translation. It didn't get an official release, I believe, until these Pixel remasters came out. First for PC back in 2021, and then this year for console. Wow. So it is only recently that people have been able to play a legal copy of Final Fantasy V in the United States. I did not know that. I believe there were ports of like some of the like 3D versions, you know, that came about, but the original pixel version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. My memory of this game is playing it illegally in college. Or did you play it on the DS or something? Because they did a lot of versions that came out on the DS and the 3DS. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Mm. But my memory of this game is playing it illegally in college. There you go. So that's the only memory I have of this game. I remember trying it, thinking it was very silly, but enjoying the job system. Mm-hmm. So that's all that I remember of this game. I'm oh, sorry. I remember that. I remember Bart's and his Chocobo. And I remember X-Death. Just because it was such a weird name for a villain. So that's all I got. <laughs> a lot of this is going to be new. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. Even though I've played it, it this one definitely fe- is going to feel like, huh, huh, all right. And to be fair, just the first hour in playing it to this last week, I was delighted by it. I was going to say, so far, so good. So I think the college David going, this is so silly, versus 38-year-old David going, this is delightful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I remembered it not being as good. So I'm hoping that it, I'm going to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was Sakaguchi's favorite until 10. So there's got to be some good stuff to it. Yeah, I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. I, I have high hopes. So let's talk about it. You load it up and you start up on the title screen and you get this watery blue Final Fantasy V with a reflection of that underneath and a blue dragon behind it. And it's dark and black, and then you hit the button and you get your stereotypical Final Fantasy start screen. Right, with the classic art of the title screen. And I played it first without taking any kind of notes, and then I took notes while David played it. So just repeatedly, he was like, this animation, this animation, we're, we're probably going to say, say it a lot, but there's a big jump in both graphics and animation skill in this game. Yes, it is a giant step forward from 4. 4 was already a technological step forward from 3, and I think 4 and 5 were probably were probably done on the same system, but they figured out more what they could do. Yeah. Is what this feels like. This feels like they were both Super Nint- uh Super Famicom. Which yeah, which they were. And yeah, this is a uh, this is the Tears of the Kingdom versus Breath of the Wild if you will. Yeah. Right? Like Yep. Breath of the Wild was beautiful. Tears of the Kingdom takes the same thing and then pushes it. Yep, right? exactly. Before we even get to that scene, we also have Bart riding his chocobo through all the title letters. Yes. Which was a fun little scene. Again, and, uh, an improvement in what they could do with their programming for animation. Mm-hmm. So when we actually start a new game, 
we load up and the cast we get it we're looking at a castle mm-hmm. and this castle is not our old typical just gray pillars like this is a artistically refined castle it mm-hmm. looks really good yeah it was more than just gray and a slightly darker gray for shadow like there's multitudes of gray of shades of gray and you could tell like there's circular turrets versus just here's another block shape and another parapet type thing like it's an actual like turret like you're saying Mm -hmm. and we're on the top of this castle and a king comes out and his name is king tycoon (laughs) yes which is fantastic yeah and he looks super cool he looks like a dragoon like almost like a dragoon yes he has this the same helmet like the sharp pointy helmet thing i'm doing a motion that you can't see so (laughs) and he has a pet dragon who's Mm -hmm. just sitting there being awesome Mm -hmm. and he comes out and he tells us that there's something wrong with the wind crystal yep and it will his daughter comes chasing after him Mm -hmm. i mean sorry we put this together that it his name was King Tycoon and that it's his daughter, like as it's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but she comes out and she goes, dad, where are you going? And he's like, something's wrong with the wind crystal. I got to go investigate. And she's like, but no, don't, it's dangerous. Don't go alone. Uh, yes. To which we were like, take this. Cause we are good <laughs> Nintendo kids. Yes. <laughs> but she, uh, I think she's saying take me as this, but she's really worried. She's got cute pink hair. She's a yep. spunky little kid. Well, it's a little kid. She's probably a, late teens early 20s yeah fine (laughs) um and then the king's like well i gotta go check out the wind crystal but i'll be right back you stay here and he jumps on the dragon the dragon flies away and that again it looks cool yep the dragon flying animation is there's dynamic movement to it it's not just up down up down of the wings like it is fluid motion Mm -hmm. yeah it's fantastic so then we cut to a pirate ship Mm mm-hmm and there's a pirate, uh, the lead pirate on there is named Ferris. Which I knew because of theater rhythm. Ooh. <laughs> and Ferris tells us that the whole wind has just stopped. Yep. And so that gives us a dun dun dun. What happened to King Tycoon on his dragon if the wind has stopped as he's going to the wind crystal? Yeah, so sorry. We get these scenes kind of quick succession, just a quick snippet of different people's reaction to this moment in time. Mm-hmm. So then we move to a, some dude in a cavern, mm-hmm. which later we'll, we'll learn that his name is Galoof. Yep. Um, but it's some dude in a cavern who's like, it's happening already. And mm-hmm. the thing's like shaking. And then we go back to Lena at the castle and she's concerned about her dad. Yep. Lena looks very concerned. It's very scary for her. It is what it is. And then we get to see the wind crystal itself. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's sitting on a nest of vines. It really does. It, Which I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's not its usual just light pillar. Yep. Instead, it's the same light pillar, but with vines coming out of it. Yeah, so I don't know if that ha- that has story meaning or if that's just a, we redesigned the crystal rooms for this game. We'll find out. Yep. But then, what happens to the crystal? It explodes. It explodes. And so... And got- I, well, I put... I put, it explodes, exclamation point, and then question mark in parentheses, because it looked like it exploded, but we don't know exactly what's going on yet. It definitely looked like that, and it looked like there were shards everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we see is a meteor coming towards the earth and crashing into the ground. Yep. So, this almost, 
I'm sure this didn't happen to Dave because he didn't see this movie, but I felt kind of like it was the happening where just all of a sudden nature disappeared and everything mm. fell apart is what felt like what was going on here. That's a good point. So. So then we get to our intrepid hero and we see Bart's and he's sitting at a campfire with his best friend, Boko. Mm-hmm. Boko the Chocobo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cute Chocobo. Very cute. And so... After the meteor crashes and all the world's shaking, he's like, well, let's go check it out. And he jumps on Boko and you start riding Boko around the overworld. Wait, wait, sorry, you're getting way too far ahead. I wanted to talk really quick about when the meteor crashed, Bart's expression. Mm. Because this is another development in what they can do with their animation. Is that like his eyes went wide and he kind of jumped up and his hair went wild before falling back into place like for his normal facial expression and that's it, true and i remember seeing that being like what like i giggled because it was it was a funny thing but also we haven't seen that yet so far in these games so i love that we're developing expressions yeah it was, so, it's very cute yeah sorry now continue yes yeah, so you start riding the chocobo around the overworld and a travesty has occurred yeah i'm sorry this is a crime that needs to be punished I mean, it was 31 years ago. What's the statute of limitations on it? In my heart, there are none. <laughs> this is probably going to give a huge knock to this game. Oh. But there is no chocobo music while you ride Boko. <gasps> this is a travesty. It is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're riding the <laughs> overworld, and we go to the next scene, and we go over to the meter, and... There's someone being attacked by goblins, mm -hmm. and Bart's comes to the rescue, mm -hmm. and we fight our first enemy, which is goblins. Yes, which is where I will pick up my thread from 16, but first I will describe the goblin. So this goblin is a tannish brown color, like with a green tint to his skin, and he's got blue hair and a red cap and red shoes and a green diaper short kind of thing. Uh, he's got really long pointy ears, really long pointy nose and chin and fingers, and he's just ugly. So this is where I see the branch off towards where 16 happens. So like I played 16 before I played five. And, you know, like I said, when I played 16, I was like, man, these things are disgusting compared to the cute little like we've got scimitars, but we're also wearing really cute outfits from four and then I played five and I was like, oh, this is where it started. Like, this is our diverging path of evolution of the design for the goblins. <laughs> yep. So we fight the goblins and win and we save Lena and she's ex needing to go, needing to go. She's like, thanks. It's great. Gotta get to my dad. Gotta get to my dad. Gotta catch them all. Gotta go. <laughs> and we're, there's this giant meteor. And then all of a sudden from out from under the meteor... An old guy pops up mm -hmm. and it's the same guy from the cavern who was like, it is starting or yep. whatever. And he pops up and we've got Galoof mm -hmm. and Galoof has amnesia. Yes, he does. Very convenient amnesia. I will plant that seed now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I'm Galoof. And Lena's like, well, I got to go to the wind crystal because my dad's there. He's like, wind crystal, you say? I shall also go to that. And then what does Bart's do? He's like, peace out. <laughs> yeah. Bart's is a very reluctant hero. Yep. At least so far. He's very much like, look, I'm, I was camping my chocobo. I want to go back to the campsite and get an early snooze. And he's, he's not going to be part of this adventure. Nope. <laughs> so the two of them go off 
And you get on Boko and you go back also to where you were. And the Lisa who's playing this was like, what? What? I, no, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> and then the game hears me because all of a sudden Boko comes to a screeching stop and throws you off of its back and apparently starts arguing with you. And Bart <laughs> gets super annoyed and is making curse words above his head. And it's very... He's like, no, I don't want to go with them. I can't... Da, 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 da. And then he goes, oh, fine, you're right. Like, and I just, love it. And just as soon as he like, agrees, the ground starts to shake and starts to cave in. And you fight bad guys along the way as you run up to get Galoof and Lena. And it's very Indiana Jones-esque in that as you're running... The ground is falling out like right behind you on your heels kind of thing. So it's a very hectic scene. And then I think it's Galoof who says that, you know, the path to Tool has been lost now. But somehow Bart knows how to get there another way. Yeah. Because he agrees. He's like, well, I guess I'm coming with you so I can get you get you there safely. Tool is where the wind, wind crystal is, BTW. And Bart says he feels the wind is calling him. And Galoof just thinks that he's flirting with Lena. Yes. If he was flirting with Lena and it was very cute. It's awesome because when he says that, Bart's like, you're still alive? Because Galoof is laying like he's dead this whole time. Yes, that's right. Yes. It's very fun. Um, and then we get the adventuring music beginning. Yes. And it's fantastic. Maybe I'll drop a few seconds of it here. But yeah, so already I'm like, unless something terrible happens, this game already has number one soundtrack in my head and it's only been like 15 minutes. It can't have number one soundtrack because you don't get Chocobo music when you ride Boko. Okay, but side note, from going to a few different Final Fantasy concerts and playing theater rhythm, I know that famously there is Mambo to Chocobo, which came out during this game. So there's got to be Chocobo music somewhere. We'll see about that. All right. And I did say, unless something terrible happens. So I'm trying to say something terrible already has happened. I'm saying they have a chance to correct it. <laughs> anyway, so there's a new cave that's at the end of this walkway, and we go into the cave. Well, first they're like, hey, this cave wasn't here before. Mm -hmm. It must have happened during the rumbling. Not the rumbling, that's Tech on Titan. It must have happened during the all the earthquakes. So we go inside the cave. What does the cave look like, Lisa? The cave looks like every other cave we've been in so far, David. Really? Because this one looks... I thought it has like some blue-green tint to it. And some of the caves we've been in have a blue-green blue tint to them. But not every cave. Okay. Okay. So inside this cave, we've got some enemies. We've got the steel bats. Steel bats look like bats. They are purplish. The devil crab. The devil crab, I mean, that's a pretty apt name. It is a... It's a crab with giant front pincher claw thingies. But it's got like a helmet on its body. And our old friend, the Stroper. Oh, is this an old friend? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a weird creature. This one looks like a like a possessed strawberry. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it's got, like if you picture a strawberry and you turn it upside down so that the leaves are on the bottom, turn those leaves into tentacles. Now, the red part of the strawberry, all those like the little pip seeds on it, like make them bigger and like slightly yellower and then give it an eyeball and some other growths coming out of it. And that's the stroper. I never would have seen that, but you're 100% right. Thank you. One of the things that's cool about this when we're talking about how awesome the animations are and everything is that now Bart's like 
points at things. Yes. When the, when the character says, oh, over there, like, there's an arm that comes up and points in that direction. There's also some animated, like, exclamation marks and question marks above their head. Yeah, it's great because they don't just, like, pop up, but they are in thought bubbles and they move from side to side and they change color from black to red. So it's very much, like, it's a full little animation. And Bart's is pointing toward a recovery spring. And so recovery springs in this game function similar to like our healing pots or our statues or whatever. This one, you walk into the recovery spring and it heals HP, MP, heals you of all status ailments and revives KO'd allies. It's an all-in-one. Yeah, I like recovery springs. Yeah, they're great. One of the fun things that happens after them also is that the sprite does a little dance. Yes, it's fantastic. We did test it out with the different characters, and they do do slightly different dances. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're very cute. So they're, each one has their own dance. It's very fun. Uh, we can't tell if Galoof is raising his shirt or not, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going through the cave, and we enter a room, and there's a pirate at the top of the screen. A pirate, you say? Yes, and it's on a higher level, but... I'm guessing the level, you know, the level's like just above their head so they can see him because he's taller. And it's adorable because they immediately jump up to the ledge and like hang there and look at him. So just imagine a very cartoony like eyes and probably their noses are on top of this ledge and they're looking over at the pirate, the pirate's doing. And the pirate looks one way, looks another to make sure he's not being watched, but didn't look for little cartoon faces. And then he pushes a skull and crossbones button and it opens a secret door. A skull and crossbones button opens a secret pirate door? Yeah. Shocked, shocked I say. Yeah. Piratey things. <laughs> Arr. So then we walk through the door. Mm-hmm. And we're in another room of the cave. So we see a light ahead. We go outside. And we see that there's a ship sailing. But how is it sh- sailing when there's no wind? Ain't that the question? Hmm. So then we come back inside and we go through the other door in this room and we're led into the pirate's lair. Pirate's hideout. Ooh. Tell us about the pirate's hideout, Lisa. There's a few flags on the walls that have skull and crossbones on them. There's another skull button on the wall. And then there's a few patrolling pirates around. And there's new music, too. (laughs) I'm like, you wrote it in the notes, man. You don't look at me awkwardly when you're not the one going over your own notes. (laughs) And this is when we learn a little bit about who Lena is as a person. Exactly. Lena thinks the best of people. She is adorable and sheltered and a little privileged. (laughs) Yep. So she's all, hey, maybe we can get a ride from the pirates. And the men are stunned and start jumping at this, like, suggestion. And they're like, you can't ask a pirate for a favor. They'll make you walk the deck. They'll, like, keyhole you. And so Galoof is like, instead, we should steal their ship. And then Bart's like, freaks out again and is probably questioning all of his life choices at this moment. (laughs) He calls him a gutsy old timer and is just like, what have I gotten into? (laughs) So we go and we try to push the button and the screen shakes, but then nothing happens. So then we move up the screen because there's some pirates who are standing guard. But it turns out that all these pirates that are standing guard are actually sleeping. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you notice, though, like, they're nodding their heads. And I thought that they were just wearing headphones and headbanging. But, you know. Yeah. I thought that was very unlikely. 
So they're sleeping, and if you go and you talk to them, one just snores through the conversation. The other one will actually wake up, and you run and hide. It's very cute. Because it's like, you went and interacted with him. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and so finally, there's nothing else to do but to board the ship. Mm-hmm. What does the ship look like, Lisa? It looks like a ship. <laughs> it is brown. With, and shippy. With wooden planks. And yes, very ship-like. <laughs> so there's no one on deck. When you head downstairs in the first room downstairs below deck, there's nobody. But if you go through the door, there's another pirate, uh, another sleeping pirate in there. And basically everybody's just like, well... We got the rudder fixed. Time for the, to like go take the helm, and so we go to take the helm, and nothing happens. I mean, Bart says "yo ho ho" and stuff, which is pretty great. <laughs> That's true. He's having a lot of fun at the steering wheel. But then, and so Galoof is like, "Any day now, kid. What are you doing? What are you waiting for?" And he, Bart says that the wheel won't turn. And then someone yells at us from off screen, and on comes Ferris. And Ferris is very mad that we tried to steal her ship. Mm-hmm. But. So Lena comes forward and introduces herself. She's like, I'm Princess Lena from Tycoon, blah, blah, blah. And will you please give us a ride? And at first, Ferris is laughs hysterically and is like, tie them up, get rid of them. Like, we're going to just throw them overboard. But then... Lena's like, wait, 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 but look, I am a princess. And she shows off this pendant, we assume, like... Something sparkles and there's a sound effect. And then Ferris kind of has like question marks and like, I think she recognizes the pendant. Mm -hmm. And then she says, all right, throw him in the brig. And so we all get tied up with ropes and we're in the brig. And Gloof starts hopping around while he's tied up and says, who came up with the idea to steal a pirate ship anyway? Which is fantastic. as part Because then Bart's is like, you did. And he's like, what? I have amnesia. <laughs> You know, he's a character in a JRPG. Of course he has amnesia. Mm -hmm. uh, then night falls, and we shift over to Ferris's room. And Ferris wonders why Lena has the same pendant. Mm -hmm. So that's when we get confirmation it was a pendant. Yep. One thing that's interesting is that Ferris seems like a female character, but Lena called them sir. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that's just Lena's gender norms because Ferris is the captain or not. Or a generic sir for you're somebody in charge, male or female, who knows? Like, I don't know, but there we go. So, for me, I know that Ferris is a girl because theater rhythm says so. And apparently it's going to be a plot point that it's revealed that Ferris is a woman. I'm guessing so, because everyone is just being gender neutral with them. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's a, a non-binary person. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough to know. I was going to say, but to me, Ferris looks like a girl because her hair is like this glorious, long, swooping mane. Like mm -hmm. she very much reminded me. It took me a minute to figure out who she reminded me of. She reminded me of Olivier Armstrong. Mm -hmm. Like just same exact hair, just purple instead of blonde. But that like just beautiful whoosh of a hair <laughs> and i defaulted to ferris being a woman the both the first time and th this time playing the game because we've already had like pirate queens exactly and so that's just the trope i expect mm -hmm. but i could be wrong we'll find out 
Like, it may not be a plot point and just may be ambiguous. Yeah. I don't know. But well, it's definitely... Yeah, Theater Rhythm calls her a pirate queen, so... Yeah. It's definitely a plot point that her and Lena are related with the pendant. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. The next day, Ferris has the trio untied. And she goes, I've reconsidered your request. We're going to go to the wind shrine. And Lena asks how the boat can move with no wind. And Ferris says, Come out, Sildra. And then Lisa was very delighted. Who wasn't delighted? Sildra's amazing. I don't know. So the it, the camera pans down the front, of, the front of the ship and the water's like churning and then out pops the face of an adorable sea dragon. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, rawr, I'm cute and Sildra. <laughs> and Ferris is like, yeah, we, we grew up together. Like we're, we're, we're besties. So at this point... We've got a pirate queen with a sea dragon. Mm-hmm. We've got a adventuring hero with a pet chocobo. This game is super on track to be Lisa's favorite game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also now worried that I've jinxed it. So let's go to the wind shrine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is something interesting that was different between when David played and when I played. When David was playing, well, the same intro thing happens, which is one of the... Uh, Pirates comes up to you and, goes, and says, hey, do you want me to like to sail us over to the wind shrine? And you have a yes or no option. And David said yes, and he just goes directly to the wind shrine. I said no, and then I got to control the ship. So I sailed around a little bit, and there was a town I could go to and everything, but then I didn't because I was like, no, we like... I'm taking the notes. I don't have time for this. So, but <laughs> it, was, it was cool that the game... Because that's a mechanic that happens in later games, right? I mean, not just Final Fantasy games, but games in general, which is, hey, you have the option to quick travel to the next story point, or, you know, you can do whatever business you've got left kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. So we get up to the Wind Shrine, but we've got to walk through the overworld a little bit before we get actually into the shrine. And there's some overworld enemies. We've got the Killer Bee. Nightmare Fuel. Okay. On pure... Instance that is a giant bee wasp thing. And bees are the air force of the insect world and the most terrifying of all insects. So we need them. They make us delicious, delicious honey. They pollinate flowers. We need more bees, but they are also terrifying. I was going to say, I love actual bees. This definitely looks more wasp-ish. And yeah, it's huge. It's got a giant stinger. It's got like mantis arms. I don't like it. It's gross. The nutkin... The Nutkin, on the other hand, is adorable. It's a fat little squirrel that's holding an acorn, and it's got big old bug eyes and round cheeks. And I'm like, why are we fighting you? You clearly got lost somewhere. Like, I don't know. They're adorable. And the stray cat. And the stray cat is what it sounds like. It's a little gray cat. It's got its tail up in the air, and it's kind of, like, arching its back a little bit. And, yeah. Once again, proving that cats are feral monsters that are out to destroy you. (laughs) So we go into the wind shrine. What does the wind shrine look like, Lisa? The floor is made up of patterned stones, and they're all different. Which, sorry, we're going to be saying this a lot for this game, but that's definitely an advancement in the graphic design that they could do. I mean, they do, like, repeat eventually. It's not like there's, like, a thousand unique tiles. But, (laughs) you know, there's a couple dozen unique tiles, which is pretty impressive and Unlike anything we've seen so far. There are stone columns. 
in the and then in the room to the left, when you walk in, there are mages that are pacing around, and there's a couple standing around a thing. What was the thing? It's the healing area. Oh, okay. And then um, there's a bald guy in the middle of the room. There's some waterways, and then there's vines over a lot of the doorways. Similar to the vines we saw coming out of the wind shrines. Uh, the, sorry, the, the wind, wind crystal crystal's base. altar. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if the guys that were in the next room over were bad guys or good guys, but we're about to find out. So, But first, we're going to go over the enemies in this dungeon. Yes. We've got the Black Goblin. The Black Goblin looks like the goblin I described earlier, except it's blonde. It's got a gray cap and blue... Uh, Diaper. Diaper. <laughs> and its skin is, like, gray-toned. We've got the mold wind. The mold wind is weird, man. I don't... I don't know how to start with this thing. It's got a... It's got a face. <laughs> it's got big old teeth. It's bald. It's got a snaky body. It's got wings in a weird place on its back. Yeah. The white serpent. The white serpent... Is is what it sounds like. It's a big old white snake. It's got a really sharp tail and fangs and red eyes. And while it is, the body is white, it's got like a blue tone to it. And the Manny Wizard. The Manny Wizard's kind of fun. It looks like a like a jester, almost, because its, it's outfit has like six colors and a bunch of patterns on it. Um, he's got a big old red nose and a red hat, a purple shirt with blue sleeves, one pant leg is red, the other pant leg is green. One shoe is purple, the other shoe is red. He's got a magic staff, and yeah. So yeah, it would be a fun jester character if it weren't a bad guy that was trying to kill us. Cool. So we walk in the side room, and someone says, Princess Lena! And they walk up to her and say that the wind has suddenly stopped. The monsters have overtaken the shrine. The king went up to the top floor and is yet to return. And so? We head up to the top floor. On the way up? There's a giant bird blocking the path. It looks like it's going to be like a boss fight. It's mm-hmm. got red wings, a yellow head, and it knocks us back when we approach. And so and so we have this fight against the wing raptor. Yeah, and it, it is what it sounds like. It's a big old bird. Uh, when we are in the battle screen, we can see that it's got like a black body with white plumage closer to its neck. It's got red and black wings and a white and yellow head. Big old bird. And the fight was ridiculously easy. It took less than two full cycles. And it gave you no XP, so I don't know what kind of boss fight this was, but yeah. yeah. It was weird. But so, th- so then we keep going. And when we keep going, we enter the crystal room. Mm-hmm. And there are six little sc- crystals scattered on the floor. No king, but there is a flash of light. So there's a flash of light, and we cut away to the fire crystal... We, like, literally go over in the world, and so we can see in the overworld map where the fire crystal is located, Mm -hmm. the area that it's at, and we go inside, and the fire crystal flashes and sends a spark to Ferris and says, Courage, the essence of flame. And then we cut to the water crystal. The water crystal sends its spark to Lena and says, Devotion, the essence of water. And wetness is the essence of beauty. <laughs> the earth crystal sends its spark to Galoof. Hope, the essence of earth. And then there's a spark from where the wind crystal used to be. Mm-hmm. And it goes to Bart's. Passion, the essence of wind. So just to be clear, we've got courage, devotion, hope, and passion. Mm-hmm. These are the essences of the crystals. Mm-hmm. 
and fires. Which, I'm like, what? <laughs> fire is ter- tied to courage. Which usually fire is passion. Water is tied to devotion? Eh? Earth to hope? Yeah, I would put devotion to earth if, if we're going to put devotion to anything. And wind to passion. I don't know, man. I don't know either. Anyway. But then the king flashes into the crystal spot. Yes. So he's not actually there, but like his, he appears and he, he tells us that you have been chosen by the crystals to be the warriors of light. Hey, that's the name of the podcast. Almost. Ha, 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 And he says that the wind crystal's already been shattered, but we need to protect the other three. Yes. And that, of course, there's an evil presence awakening and they want to return everything to darkness. Because this is a Final Fantasy game, so everything has to go back to nothing. Yep. And then he gets engulfed in a swirl of purple and light blue and dark blue and he disappears with a call to save the crystals. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. Nice. So... The swirl looked really cool. It did. That's why I mentioned the three colors, because, yeah. And the crystal shards then do something. So Lisa said that there were six crystal shards around us, and now they start to, like, pulse, and then they attack us. (gasps) But not really. They just absorb into us somehow? Yeah. We each get one and a half crystals? And as the Warriors of Legend, we get... A job system? Jobs! What are our new jobs? We've got the knight, the monk... The blue mage, the thief, the black mage, and the white mage. Yeah, so the blue mage is new. Mm-hmm. But I think we've had all the others before. Yep. And so we teleport out. So yeah, it's really funny because Lena goes, oh, there should be a teleport spot behind the, the where the crystal was. And I'm like, how did you know that? She's visited the crystal with her dad in the past. All right. She's the princess. The king's gone to the wind crystal. Like, something goes wrong. He woes there, like... He's got a relationship with the crystal. Yeah. He's in its place. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So we teleport out. But before we load back into the overworld, we have like a fourth wall breaking meta incident. (laughs) Yep. A chocobo walks across a black screen and offers to teach us about the crystals and the job system. Yeah. And then it's got a full on like video tutorial of how to use the menu and everything. Like we've had tutorials in the past, but this one shows a video of, hey, Here's how you go through the menu and set up the different jobs and everything. And then this game has a, a new, this game has a new aspect to it in that as you level up a job, you will gain abilities. And then if you switch jobs, you can still equip those abilities. And so they made a big deal about how you can have a knight that can cast white magic and etc. etc. Like the combinations are limitless kind of thing. Yep, it's very much like the Bravely Default type of system. It's, this is the real big evolution in job systems. It's very exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. And then... Maybe this is the aspect of the game that's not as approachable, like, because it's so complicated in what you do with jobs and abilities and equipping and all that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And then that's what we're going to call it. Yep. So we're going, so we finished the Wind Shrine. We are going to equip some jobs and we're going to step out into the world and save the crystals. Yep. So we have a level check. I'm level five. I'm level six. Oh, so strong. I purposely leveled up another level just so I could be stronger than you. Why? I don't know. Okay, then. So that I could put a a tongue sticking out face in our notes and be cute. 
Cool. So how do you feel about this game? Uh, so far, so good. Like I said, the active time battle hasn't screwed me up yet. So I am delighted by the the humor and the mannerisms. I think these new animations are really going to lend itself to some good humor. Um, I love a good pirate queen, so I'm on board with that. Yeah, I am hopeful, but wary. <laughs> hopeful, but wary sounds good. I definitely was far more delighted than I remember being. Mm -hmm. And that is exciting. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping it doesn't go off the rails. But yeah, I, I'm very hopeful also. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to playing more and going through this journey. Yeah. So anything else you want to say before we sign off? I don't think so. Great. So where can people find us? We are on Twitter at Spouses of Light. We are also at the Gmails with spousesoflight at gmail.com. Leave us a rating review on your podcatcher of choice. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us those five stars and leave a comment so that we know what you like, what you don't like. If you want us to change something up, let us know. It'd be great. Let us know if you're playing 16. Yeah. Let's know if you're playing 16 or if you're playing through the old Final Fantasy games with us also. Yeah. Uh, if you're Same thing if you're on Spotify or whatever. I was just calling out Apple Podcasts because that's what I use. But yes, whatever your podcatcher is, please leave us those ratings. It helps people find the show. We want more people to find the show so we can, you know, share our love with Final Fantasy with people. Yeah. Other than that, I'm David. And I'm Lisa. And thanks for joining us on our journey to save the crystals. This fantasy is anything but final. New music goes here. Oh, I gotta find new music. Music.